This is Hamid. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast and support the show. Yeah. And give us stars and ratings and however it works on the things. On the things. The iTunes. Yes. Uh, it helps other people find our show. If you rate, review, subscribe. Um, if you support us on Patreon, we'd be very appreciative. We spend a lot of time and effort scheduling this week after week. <laughs> and... Um, it really helps to have a little extra income coming in. It does. Uh, do you want to just get into this? Sure. Or I we... had a fine birthday. Thank you for I was asking, gonna... <laughs> I really appreciate it. How was your birthday, Jess? It was actually garbage. Like It was a very <laughs> bad birthday. Oh, no. <laughs> the weekend was great, but the day of my birthday was was super not great. But that's okay, because the world's on fire, the and a good is birthday isn't a privilege people can count on anymore. Susan Collins, Jessica has a birthday present she would like from you. Yeah, so we're recording, what's it, 1230, 1245 yeah, so on Friday. confirmed the final vote and that'll happen tomorrow whenever we're yeah. as we're recording this. I'm sending hate thoughts at Jeff Flake presently. He <laughs> was just like, yeah, no, uh, he seems I see no Evergreen reason he comment. shouldn't be Yeah, right? I see no reason he shouldn't be the judge. Yeah, minus everything that was apparently a problem <sighs> to you last Do week. Do you feel like we're watching like experiencing different like realities? So I've Then who? Then the right. Oh, like, yeah. like watching watching Kavanaugh do his opening remarks that were like not only weird and scary, but just like not they're extremely partisan. They were they didn't show very good temperament. He was like raging mad, and everyone's like, "Yeah, no, this guy gets it." <laughs> like, I is there? When you is have to write an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal explaining why you were angry well, and apologizing for being angry, which but he, he is also, what. But he wrote that shit down. It's not yeah. like he was like <laughs> right. speaking off the top of his right. head and like spun out. He was like You're apologizing for the vetted speech you gave. Yeah, he was like, um, I'm definitely going to write down that this is revenge for the Clintons because right. that's a really reasonable, rational thing that a human adult is going to say in front of the Senate. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we have and we could go through all the reasons he's a bad candidate beyond just the assault allegations. Right. There are plenty of reasons to vote against the guy. Um, the fact that it's up in the air and it comes down to like moderate Republicans and one like red state Democrat right yeah. now, it's like, you know, if people voted for good candidates, we wouldn't have to like rely on Jeff Flake and Susan yeah, Collins. Yeah, and I um, at the same time, look at what happened in Alabama with Roy Moore and the the fact that Doug, Doug Jones won. That's the reason we're even having this debate because otherwise it would pretty much be a foregone conclusion. Yeah, so. It works when people get their shit together. But don't you think a, like an election is different from a confirmation? Like senators are not only beholden to their constituents, but like trying to play a long game and stay in power. Mm-hmm. And like, which which makes me even more angry about Jeff Flake. Like, you're not yeah, running. You have nothing my to dude. lose. What here. are you doing? Like, you have you have this opportunity to be seen in history as. Not the fucking worst. Yeah. And it's a like race Joe Manchin, to the fucking worst. Joe Manchin may lose his Senate seat if he does this. Right. Heidi Heitkamp will lose her Senate yeah. seat probably. And she voted no any she said she'll vote no anyway. Yeah. Those people have a lot on the line. Yeah. These people, Jeff Flake, Susan Collins, who's not even up right now, like yeah. they have so little on the line. And they're still saying, like, oh, all those women who came forward and all the women, our constituents who called in and spoke to us. Yeah. And eh. like, 
like the bullshit FBI mm-hmm. investigation that right. they didn't talk to Kavanaugh. They didn't I mean, talk like yeah. When they say this is a this was a good process, this worked, and Flake even admits the process is broken, but he's going to reward the guy who benefits from it. Susan Collins is like, he's not going to overturn Roe. Like that's where you're wondering, yeah. like, what world are you living in where right. all of your colleagues are celebrating because he's going to overturn abortion rights right. and you want to pretend that he's not? That's the only reason everyone's excited about him on the right. I like just, they literally don't care about the assault thing. Uh-huh. They just want to protect unborn women. Sure. They don't care about the live ones. Right. They're but, sluts. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so my favorite and by favorite, I mean worst Reaction to all this that I've heard this week came from, wait for it, Tucker Carlson, who, here's the argument he wanted to make. He was saying, you know, there was a time years ago, a few years ago, when liberals were frustrated about a potential Christian theocracy, and we still are now. We still argue about that now. But the Christian theocracy in practice really means conservatives would get to punish people for acts they think are immoral. Right. And that's what the liberals were worried about. Mm. So if liberals are frustrated with Brett Kavanaugh for something he did in high school that they think is immoral, Tucker Carlson says that amounts to a, quote, theocracy run by atheists. Now, Hammond, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there. Uh-huh. What? Yeah. The a theocracy ir- run by atheists? Yes. The full quote, the irony, of course, is that they're doing it right now. It's a kind of theocracy run by atheists where the minor, smallest peccadilloes from your teen years are now disqualifying. Like attempted rape? Is this really the standard we want? Yes, attempted rape is the minor, smallest peccadillo from your teen years. There was another pastor today, by the way, or at least uh, I post about it today. Uh, He made a sermon over the weekend where he basically... uh, I'm sorry, this is from Steve Strang, who publishes Charisma, a Christian publication. Okay. Like, publisher. This guy is uh, one of the most influential evangelicals in the country Mm -hmm. who said, even if he did it, it's not a big deal because it's the sort of nickel and dime thing just that teens do. I mean, and who... Apparently, Apparently, at these people's high schools, guys just walk around assaulting women and covering up their mouths so they can't scream. That's their high school experience, it, and they're fine with it. It it's just really a part of is up. revealing, isn't it? Because somebody else said, like, show me a man who hasn't been in a bar fight once in his life. I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh-huh. Like, Hemant, have you been in a bar? Have you been, have like, I been, been in, in a, a bar? bar? <laughs> Not that many. <laughs> have you been in a bar fight? I'm asking. I haven't Apparently, been, I haven't all been men in a have non-bar been. fight. I don't believe. Yeah, you would not do. I really wouldn't fare well. <laughs> you wouldn't do well. You'd turtle up right away. But this idea that like it's just a rite of passage for all men to to get in these yeah. fights or apparently assault women. Um, but I mean, isn't it revealing as to like women are saying? Men are, I'm threatened by men. Men can be violent. I'm always aware when men are around me. And dudes are like, what are you talking about? I've never done, like, I would never hurt anybody. I would never do anything. And then in the same breath, like, well, everybody has tried to rape someone and everyone has gotten in a bar fight. Like, (laughs) so who do they want to be? Do they want to be these choir boys who would never do anything wrong? Or do they want to be a, like, have this boys will be boys life where, like, yeah, we all do dumb shit. And listen, I'm And their dumb shit is insane. Yeah, and I'm willing 
to take the ride of we've all done dumb shit. Like, I certainly am <laughs> I'm still doing dumb shit. I haven't gotten it all on my system yet. But, like, you don't, you don't get to have it both ways. You don't get to say nobody, nobody would ever hurt a woman ever. And, like, and except for every man that does at some point in his life. So... So whatever. Uh, there was another pastor uh, over the weekend who gave a sermon. He's making an argument that we have discussed before, which is that we should basically ignore Dr. Ford's allegation because there were not two to three witnesses like the Bible no. demands. And so, okay, fine. I've I've heard that argument before. It's it's horrible for a bunch of reasons. But there were Mostly, two witnesses. There, yes, there were two witnesses, one of whom hasn't really been questioned, at least publicly, under oath. Um, and we haven't seen what he said to the FBI. But the point is, like, most of these abuse allegations, sexual assault, they don't happen with the crowd watching. They right. happen in private. So it's just the woman versus the man or something like that. And so there aren't going to be witnesses. But one thing he said almost jokingly in his in his sermon was he talked about this recently. And afterwards, there were two things he said. One is that everyone was crying afterwards and men came up to him crying because they've all been falsely accused. All of them? Apparently. And then he went on to say, and one woman came up, I'm paraphrasing here because I can't pull it up right now. Uh, One woman came up to him and said, my eight-year-old daughter was abused by a relative. And I think she was trying to make the case in his retelling of it that Uh there aren't always two witnesses. She's like, my daughter was abused. And he's like, well, who did you, did you tell anyone? She's like, yes, we went to the authorities. He says, oh, that's great. That is what you should do. Did anything happen? She said, no, nothing really happened. And I can understand that because if it is a he said, she said, the cops can't really prosecute or press charges like that. Mm -hmm. And so he seems to, so his argument's like, well, that's that's what that's the sort of thing that just happens because you need witnesses before you lock somebody up. Like he feels bad, but he blamed it on a broken world. Like not enough people have Jesus in their lives. And so that was his concern. Um, but it just what was his point again? There, there's there's no point there. These people make these arguments. His whole sermon was a defense of Brett Kavanaugh. But he was just saying that if one woman comes forth with allegations like these, Eh, I'd rather you tell, I'd rather this happens and a false, like, positive doesn't come forward. You don't arrest an innocent man versus a world where there don't have to be any witnesses and then all men will get accused of this stuff. Like, seriously, it's, it's messed up. To be honest, I zoned out halfway through because none of that makes any goddamn sense. It, it does not. Um, and, no, it's frustrating be in part because so many pastors evangelical ones certainly have this sort of mindset it's disturbing let me add on one more thing to that whole premise here this is something that was surprising a little bit to me which is that among all the evangelical mostly white evangelical christians who support brett kavanaugh Mm -hmm. a lot of them are women and so the question comes up like why are all these women supporting him too and it's a silly question because there are plenty of women who support Donald Trump. There are right. plenty of women who vote with conservatives. So that alone isn't surprising. But one, um, one writer for the Huffington Post, uh, Carly Gelsinger, wrote a really interesting piece saying, I grew up in this world. I grew up with purity culture. Mm-hmm. And this is something, this idea that I was raised with, which is that our bodies are not our own. 
Like, we as women don't own them. Sure. It, they belong to our fathers, our pastors, our husbands, our politicians, never ourselves. And she went on to say that when she was younger, she was sexually assaulted on a mission trip. And mm-hmm. when she told her team leader, the question was, well, what were you wearing? Because, of course, it was her fault that she made this guy stumble in his walk. Right. Right. And so when it goes to the allegations from Dr. Ford, it's not necessarily that they don't believe her. It's that they don't want to blame him, even if it's true, because she must have done something to to provoke him or something like that. Well, and it just comes from a worldview, and that's definitely related that not only do women not own their own bodies, but what happens to them doesn't necessarily matter. And it's not an issue. It's just something they have to deal with because for whatever reason, women are seen as less than. They're seen as props that surround Mm -hmm. these men and can uplift them by being good wives and good women or be terrible Jezebels and tear them down. Like, they don't have agency. They don't have a reason for being other than supporting the men in their lives. Yeah, there was another Catholic priest, a bishop of all people, like, not just a random Catholic, but Uh a bishop, who made an argument that when it comes to a he said, she said, we should just believe Brett Kavanaugh because he's, according to moral law, he's the superior unquote. Fuck me. Now, how he he defines that, I don't know. But that's it. It's he's the superior, unquote. Therefore, what the fuck I was, is he talking about? I don't about? know. And I was trying to figure out what moral law he is referring to because I'm like, I, I can go back to a Bible verse you're misinterpreting or something. Right. But I could not find, and I asked around even some Catholics, I'm like, what is this guy even referring to in the best possible light? They couldn't answer. I mean, it literally, all he's saying is might makes right. That's <laughs> exactly what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ. So, it, there's a lot of bad takes, and what's frustrating is that none of those are the reasons that the senators are voting yes or no, but because they're voting yes on him, those are the myths that are still being perpetuated right. in those circles, and they continue to live on because these guys are getting, like Brett Kavanaugh, would be getting rewarded for what they allegedly, if, if it, these allegations are true, which there hasn't been a good investigation of it, right? they're getting rewarded for it, and evangelicals want that. Not just because of the abortion issue, but because this, this to them is really about, you know, owning feminists and owning liberals Jeez. more so than anything else right now. Mm. So Anyway, by anyway. the time this comes out, this will probably all be... In the rearview mirror. The the Brett Kavanaugh thing will be, but this mindset isn't going to go away, and that's why it's still important to to keep talking about it. I have a I have a related story that is not Brett Kavanaugh, but it's along the same lines here. Which is remember we talked about Paige Patterson, the Southern Baptist leader. Who this is the guy who gave a sermon a long time ago, several years ago, Mm -hmm. where he talked about yeah, a woman came up to me, told me she was in an abusive relationship. And he told her she should stay in that relationship and pray about it. And even when she had a black eye the next morning, he's like, but look, your husband's in the church. It makes me so ill. Okay, that's that guy, Paige Patterson. Uh, He was the head of the Southern Baptist Convention. He was the president of the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's the guy who also said of a 15-year-old 
uh, of a young girl in a sermon, he was telling a story about this girl that a couple of guys were making a pass at or something, and he's like, she wasn't about, she wasn't more than about 16, but mm, he's that guy. So anyway, uh, remember, he was basically, I know. Can we just, don't make that sound ever again. mm, No, I literally just asked. he was basically <gasps> fired from the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Mm-hmm. There were donor rebellions from these guys who were like, how dare you fire this guy? Yeah. Anyway, last month he made a comeback. I think we talked about this, where he gave a sermon again, where he body shamed a woman for her weight. What? Yeah. Did we talk about this? Maybe. I don't know. But he did. He called her like, he basically made a lot of what he thought were euphemisms for the word fat, but they weren't euphemisms. They were just him who's not exactly like the thinnest guy in the world, body shaming another woman. Sure. He's not, he's not any better, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Anyway, he has a new job. Okay. Wait for it. Don't. Yeah. What? He's going to be leading a class oh, no. at Southern Evangelical Seminary, mm-hmm. which is a separate place, um, and the class is called Christian Ethics. Fuck off. Yeah. Uh-huh. Get out of my house right now. Yeah. Christian Ethics. And by the way, he's teaching it with the school's president, Richard Land, who, uh, guess why Richard Land is famous, Uh, at least in the secular world, because when Obama was in office and the Trayvon Martin shooting happened, he was basically saying the only reason Obama and other black leaders care about it is to, quote, gin up the black vote. That's Richard Land. Those guys are co-teaching this class on Christian ethics, which if you sign up for that class, you have failed because you failed the easiest test, I guess. God, is there anything Again, you in this bubble, they get rewarded for being the worst in this conservative Christian bubble. So Christians actively... Evangelical, evangelical, mostly white... They literally do not care when somebody gets murdered. Or they think it's being... It's not the murder they don't care about. It's that anyone who cares about the murder... No, so not only do they not care about the murder, but they deny that anybody else could care about this murder. Unless they're doing it the way conservatives are doing it. And we know how much conservatives march over the Trayvon Martin shooting. What? How? 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 Who's... Why? Religion. Many reasons. Ugh, okay. It's not even religion. It's just this conservative dogma. It it's is. the tribalism. But it, it's, it cloaks itself in religion. It which, does. It God, makes it a lot easier. Why doesn't that make Christians more angry? Why doesn't it make yeah. good Christian people like, hey, no, fuck you. You don't speak for me. That's the most amazing thing to me. I know we talked about this before where they did a survey recently. 48% of white evangelical Christians said even if Kavanaugh assaulted Christine Blasey Ford, then he should still be on the court. Even if he did it, they don't care. They don't care because they will find a reason to dismiss what he did, whether it's like, well, I was in high school or it's a he said she. But again, the, the poll is yeah, if he did it. If he did. Not it. did he, but if he did. Because so, they don't. Oh, my God. OK. Yeah. And again, it's a habit. It's not that there aren't evangelical Christian women speaking out against this. It's that they don't have much power to begin with in those circles or they'll be deemed heretical or that their voices are just not getting through to the people with power. Like, that's the problem. When you have a whole system that says, don't listen to women, they should be quiet. Yeah. 
when women are trying to speak up and say something, they're not exactly, no one's putting a megaphone necessarily in front of them. Right. So they have an uphill climb there. Uh, Do you want to talk about something happier? I guess. Okay. Is there anything <laughs> happy day. left? Uh, yeah, no one likes Pope Francis. That's a good thing. Wait. Uh, yeah. Do we not like Pope Francis? We don't like Pope okay, Francis. I'll tell you why we don't like Pope straight. Francis. This is a survey done by the Pew Research Center, or at least an analysis of a survey they took in September. And what they found is that among U.S. Catholics, not everybody, okay. among U.S. Catholics, they asked them, well, how do you think about Pope Francis's job addressing the sex abuse scandal? Mm-hmm. Like, has he been doing a good job of handling the scandal? Mm-hmm. And among U.S. Catholics, it is currently the people who like how he's handling it, 31%. Really? No one's happy with Wait, how he's do doing they- do you think he didn't come down hard enough or came down too hard? Not hard enough, oh, I oh, think, okay. is the issue. They're like, no, you're not doing enough to put a stop to this. Sure. And by the way, when they asked the same question in 2014, like shortly after Pope Francis was uh, elected as Pope, 54% thought he was doing a good job. Because okay. this is when you get the, the great sound bites from Pope Francis and he's getting all this positive press. Mm-hmm. They did like him. They thought overall he was doing a good job, and that shrunk really quickly. And what's amazing, when it comes to how he's doing on the sex abuse scandal, it doesn't matter how you slice the demographics. Like, every chart is just a giant curve sloping downward. Really? So women have gone from 57% support to 36%. Uh, Young people, like under 50, by the way, in this (laughs) poll, from 53% to 28%. From people who attend church every week, 71% down to 34. Wow. Like, And these are among Catholics, not just everybody who's pissed off. So, I mean, that's, that's a good sign when even Catholics understand that the Pope is a problem. He's not helping the situation. He's slow to act when it comes to getting rid of the bad eggs. Yeah. And he's not really doing enough to speak out against it, to say, here's full transparency of everything. We'll, we'll make all these paperwork, like the grand jury investigation. We'll make all the paperwork everywhere public. Like, attorneys general have to fight to make that happen. Right. And they are. There's like a dozen states where they're basically saying, show us everything. Mm-hmm. But not everywhere, so. And when, when you have that many bad employees, it's the boss's fault. I think people realize that. Yeah. I, what I think is interesting about that is... Do you think there is any, but not that either of us knows like the College of Cardinals or whatever. Mm. I I don't I don't think he's doing a good job with this. I also don't think anybody would do a good job with this. I guess is my. I thought. don't think anyone's asking Pope Francis who, who who as far as I can tell, like he's not accused of any of this stuff. And as far as I know, he doesn't know about it. Though I think there's reporting that suggests he should have known about some of this stuff a long mm-hmm. before it happened. But I think the real question is, a better leader would say, if you have an allegation against you, you're suspended. You're out, yeah. If not kicked out, you're at least suspended. If there's credible allegations against you, you're not going to be a priest, much mm-hmm. less, well, we're not going to shuffle you somewhere else. But speaking out against it, saying overwhelmingly, like, no, if you are accused of this, if you offer to resign because of this, Fine, you're out. Mm-hmm. And we are not going to tolerate this. We are going to put a stop to this. We're going to change our rules mm-hmm. when it comes to like, oh, we have this punishments, punishments against gay people right. uh, who act on their sexual orientation. Like, 
get rid of some of this stuff. Let priests get married. Mm-hmm. You don't, it's not that the Catholic Church may, might change on that, but you could say something to that effect saying, we should change this. Yeah, guide them in the right have, direction. Guide them in the right direction. This guy isn't even speaking out yeah. against the stuff the way he should be. It's reliant on people outside the church to condemn the stuff they're doing. Mm-hmm. And the question now is, if all these people are so fed up with what the Pope is doing, who are U.S. Catholics, then leave. Get out of the church, even if you don't go through the motions to have it officially uh, off the rolls. Yeah. Like, just walk out. Don't give them your money. Don't go to mass. If you can help it, don't send your kids to schools, Catholic schools. Mm -hmm. Like, they could do things that would pressure the church to change. Right. But if they still go to mass and they're just like, I'm unhappy about this, nothing's going to change because it never has. Because why would they change it when you're still coming and giving them money every week? (sighs) Right. I thought Mm. that was a happy story people don't like pope francis that's happy to me here's a here's another real happy one okay um this one is has to do with albert einstein because he's in the news again because a letter he wrote in 1955 is going to be up for auction by uh, christie's in new york later Mm -hmm. this year and in this letter and you're buying it for me i'm gonna buy it it's only estimated to go for uh one and a half million dollars we definitely have that money Uh uh-huh patreon get on that people (laughs) Uh, what he said in this letter to a philosopher is that i'm gonna quote it so i get this right he said the word god is for me nothing but the expression and product of human weaknesses Hmm. The Bible, a collection of venerable but still rather primitive legends. No interpretation, no matter how subtle, can, for me, change anything about this. Wow. Now, Einstein is not one of those guys where they were like, on his deathbed, he believed in God. Right. But, and by the, uh, but to be clear, he didn't buy any of this shit. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, he didn't call himself an atheist. And he even said... Um, He even said that I do not share the crusading spirit of the professional atheists. (laughs) I prefer an attitude of humility corresponding to the weakness of our intellectual understanding of nature and of our own being. All right. I take a little issue with that. Yeah, that's but uh, kind of a burn. Kind of a (laughs) burn on atheists. But it's not that atheists are wrong. It's that he didn't like the label and the connotations associated with it, which join the club. There's right. a lot of those. Right. Hi, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> um, but in terms of the ideas, he's like, no, the Bible's silly mm-hmm. and belief in God is silly. So, hey, there you go. Yeah. Einstein, take that. <sighs> Checkmate, everybody. <laughs> Yikes. So, um, I've got some things please. this week. Um, so I came across this op-ed in the Lexington Herald uh, Leader. Mm-hmm. in Kentucky, and it's by Dan Phelps, and I was pleasantly surprised by it. Dan Phelps, by the way, you know when we talk about Ark Encounters, attendance numbers are going down? Uh-huh. Dan Phelps is the guy who files all those public records requests and passes them along to us and says, really? this is these are the latest numbers. So Dan, I owe Dan a huge debt of gratitude. He's awesome. He's really... One of the oh, best. I had no idea. He's one of the best Ark Encounter and Creation Museum watchdogs uh-huh. out there. Um, he's also the president of the uh, Kentucky Paleontological Society and the vice president for, of Kentucky's Kentuckians for Science Education. So he's noting that in uh, June uh, tw- this, of this past year, June 2018, 
Um, there were 35 middle, uh, public middle school and high school students um, from a few counties, in, uh, and they were taken by the Southeast Kentucky Community and Technical College on a, quote, college preparation field trip. And that included the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. So, first of all, what? <laughs> yeah, why are they going to the Creation Museum or Ark Encounter as any part of an educational anything? But, like, college prep? What? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, from his research, they spent more than $1,300 in tickets. Um, this is from the community college, plus travel expenses. And he says, quote, by taking students to these venues, the community college's program, which is public, which is a public state-supported institution, unconstitutionally used tax monies to promote a specific religious message. Moreover, the Kentucky Constitution forbids the use of taxpayer dollars to support a ministry. Well, uh, perhaps most importantly, the exhibits at the Ark and and Creation Museum are scientifically unsound and go against the idea of preparing high school students for college-level work. None of these... And then he explains what they believe and what they teach. Um... Quote, none of these ideas are consistent with modern science, history, or reality. Most creation Christians and other religious people realize these ideas are not science. Young Earth creationism has no, speci- no scientific credi- credibility whatsoever. Students entering a college would be handicapped by these pseudoscientific ideas if they wish to pr- pursue a career in science. Yeah, it, it's the point he's making is a really good one, which is that if this is the education they're getting, or at right. least it's a part of the education they're getting, uh, they're they're not being helped. The students aren't being helped. And honestly, college should colleges who may consider these students, mm-hmm. if they're coming from Kentucky or they're coming from a place where this is what their education looks like, these colleges should be saying, "You're not ready to take a real science class because you don't know stuff, right? You don't know, or the you know basics. the wrong stuff, yeah." And so it's these schools are doing a disservice to students mm-hmm. when they include Ark Encounter or the Creation Museum as part of any curriculum. And right. that goes beyond just a, a church-state separation issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't remember the details of this particular story, but uh, whether or not it was one of many places they visited, it doesn't matter. It no. shouldn't be on the list. Right. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's non-scientific and non-educational. Yeah. There was there was another poll I wanted to bring up that was interesting to me. This is also from the Pew Research Center. And basically what they wanted to know is how many people believe in new agey stuff. So we're talking about spiritual energy and chi mm-hmm. and psychics and reincarnation and astrology. Mm-hmm. Which group scored the worst in the sense that they believe this stuff or at least one of those things at all. Demog- which which so, demographic is most likely to believe in at least one of those new age nonsense stuff? I would say maybe like Gen X women? Uh, let's go religious demographics because oh, that's the what I'm looking at sorry. right now. It's all right. I didn't understand the parameters. Mm-hmm. Is it atheists? So atheists do the best in the sense oh. that only 22%, which is way too many, believe in at least one of those things. And I guess uh-huh. you could say atheists believe there's some greater force sure, out there. Sure, kind of or some small of them. ass spirituality that yeah. some people makes them feel better. Yeah. Um, 22% so of atheists, the, that was the so lowest. Is it Christians then? It's not. Evangelical Christians were actually the next lowest huh. with only 47% believing in one of that kind of bullshit. Who is it then? The worst were literally the nuns. 
Oh. Ex- excluding atheists and agnostics. That, so that umbrella You did of, not give me the options to pick I'm from, sorry, Hammond. You question. really set me up for failure there. <laughs> I feel like a fool. 78% of nuns believe in something like that, which, which kind of makes tracks. sense, because if you say, I don't believe in God or any organized religion, yeah. but I believe in something out there. Are you an atheist? No, I'm not an atheist. Don't call me an atheist. Right. They probably believe some kind of bullshit that doesn't conform to any organized popular religion. So, of course, they're going to believe in a higher power oh, or a spiritual energy. Tracks. Yeah, Just... so when they say I'm spiritual but not religious, mm-hmm. this is literally what we're talking about. You believe in some kind of bullshit, yeah. just not the religious Oh, yeah, just anecdotally, a lot of people I know don't believe in and or don't aren't don't belong to an organized religion, but check their horoscopes or, you know, get what get a reading done or believe in the spiritual energy. So 78 percent of the nuns minus atheists and agnostics. That's really something. And 62 percent of all U.S. adults believe in at least one of those. So as a comparison, Uh, Like two-thirds of Americans believe in some form of bullshit. Mm -hmm. The nuns believe in a lot more of it. Atheists believe in a lot less of it. But the fact that any of these are in double digits at all is just embarrassing. Damn it. I was at the post office yesterday. Uh Uh-huh. Mailing an international package, and I couldn't get it. Anyway, I was at the post office. I hated it. And there was a woman at the counter next to me, and I obviously was eavesdropping because that's all I do when I'm in public. (laughs) And... The guy, the dude who was helping her uh, was like, oh, what are you sending? Is it, you know, X, Y, and Z? And she's like, oh, it's human growth hormones. I need them overnighted. And he, and he was like, well, we can't send X, Y, Z. She's like, no, 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 no. He said, "Is there? it's medication because we can't do it. She's like, oh, no, 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 it's homeopathic. <laughs> <laughs> but she needed it overnight. Uh-huh. Anyway, I was just so gleeful, and I wanted to ask her a million questions. Yeah. I asked her zero questions. The human growth hormone that's not going to help you grow. But it's an emergency. But they need it but it's tomorrow. An yeah. Anyway. Uh, so that's the l- short version of why we have Brett Kavanaugh. People believe a lot of stupid shit. It like, doesn't all kind of track of... <laughs> There's just a sense of credulity that people either have or they don't. Like, either you are willing, you're going to believe the first thing a person tells you, or you're not. Like, I don't know, man. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. This month, it's October 5th. This month sucks. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I have one last thing to bring up. I know you have a couple more, too. Here's a not political anything related story, which is, I saw a video that I really liked. I want to just just promote it because oh. I thought it was a good thing. It comes from Anthony Magnabosco, who is the guy, I think we've talked about him a little bit on here. He basically practices this thing called street epistemology, which is, I'm not going to debate a stranger. I'm certainly not going to debate them on religion. Uh-huh. But if they're willing to talk to him, he's going to ask them questions about how they think and how they come to their oh, conclusions. Uh-huh. Because maybe he can help them realize that the way they're thinking is problematic. Okay. And if he can help them think the right way or ask the right questions or think critically, there's a chance they might become atheists. But at the very least, maybe they'll reconsider how they form opinions. Sure. So he just posted a video with the help of uh, Rebecca Fox, who is an animator, uh, does a really nice job with uh, graphic novels, cartoons, things like that. And the video was basically a new way to look at this whole concept, which I found informative. Mm -hmm. And basically it said, you got to imagine everybody 
has like a Jenga tower on their head. And the thing is, the question is, where do these blocks come from? What happens as this tower gets taller? And the truth is some people have really tall towers on their heads. And if you try to dislodge a block, those people don't want you to do it because the whole thing is going to come tumbling down. So as atheists, at least in the sense of religion, though he wasn't just talking about religion, you know, it's, it's not very helpful to them if we're like, hey, this thing you believe, it's wrong, mm-hmm. and I'm going to dislodge that block off of your tower. Uh-huh. One, because they're going to get defensive. Don't come near my tower. Okay. And two, if we try to push it out, it may do a disservice to them. It might. Okay. We think it's going to help them all the time. It doesn't always. But the question is that they should be asking is where did your bottom blocks come from? Where did the foundation for your tower come from? Because if we can help you learn that this is what your foundation is made of, you need this. Mm -hmm. You can't really shake these blocks away. Mm -hmm. You know, most people, if you're playing Jenga, you take it from the middle or the top of the tower. Um, If you understand where the foundation comes from, you may be more able to say, you know what? I can start this tower from scratch again because hmm. I can. I have a stronger foundation now. And it's, it's an interesting, interesting concept. And again, the question he was trying to get to is, this is what Anthony was saying, you may fa- find that most of us did not choose our bottom blocks at all. Hmm. Those foundational beliefs were laid by our culture, our society, our parents, as opposed to the higher up blocks, which may have been chosen because they made us feel good or uh. they were just lying around. And once we know why the foundational blocks are there, we can step back and take a long, hard look at our tower. And maybe we're willing to change it. And maybe we'll, we're willing to let other people challenge some of our core beliefs hmm. when we kind of understand, okay, this is why I believe these things. Oh, like... I didn't come to my political views because I thought about it, per se. I came because my parents voted this way, or I watched this channel. And if you understand that, it's like, oh, maybe I didn't come to it for the right reasons. Maybe you won't change your mind, but maybe you're like, I need to read up on these issues. I need to know why I think this. And there's a chance that could help change them in a more effective, long-term way. Interesting video. We'll post a link to it. Cool. It was just a cool concept. That sounds neat. Yeah. Um, so Ireland, um, Ireland's really kind of gunning for it, huh? They're like zero <laughs> to 60 getting like secular as I mean, hell. They overturned the abortion law. They are at the end of this month, they're going to be voting on overturning the blasphemy law. Yeah. So they're, it's a big couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently, um, Catholic primary schools in the Republic of Ireland used to, uh, allow, used to select students based on their religion, which I didn't know, and not to... Oh, my God, Murkowski voted no. Sorry, I just got a text. Really? That's yeah. <laughs> what? It's important. No, she said she was earlier. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> Jeremy, thanks for your text. I appreciate you keeping me updated. He's from Maine. He has a dog in this fight. It's <laughs> fucking rude, Hemant. Sorry. Uh, anyway, so apparently that's no longer a thing. So, um... So Catholic primary schools can no longer select students on the basis of that child's religion. Um, and this is according to the Minister for Education, Richard Brutton, not Burton. Um, so that this affects um, admission in 19 out of every 20 schools in Ireland, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has been kind of uh, celebrated by the humanists of UK, uh, the humanist by humanists UK is the organization. Um, so apparently, 
it was called the baptism barrier. So the policy has forced parents to have their children baptized to help ensure the student is secured a place at oversubscribed primary schools, which is wild. So, like, if your kids, if you wanted to get them into a decent school, you would have to baptize them Catholic just to be like, see, yeah. my kids are Catholic. They can go to your good school. Because you not don't this have other a lot of other school. options. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, Humanist UK Director of Public Affairs and Policy, Richie Thompson, said, quote, it's grossly unfair and discriminatory that families face the prospect of their child being refused admittance to their uh, local school based on religion. This decision by Ireland will lead to greater fairness in the, educa- in the education sector and is also in stark contrast to recent moves by the UK government in England. It, too, should it too should be committing to reducing religious discrimination in school admission policies rather than current proposals, which plan to widen inequality and uh, discrimination. Um, And keep in mind that Ireland is becoming a rapidly secular country too, where I don't have the exact number in front of me, but they are quickly becoming less Catholic and way more non-religious. Now, Catholics had a head start, but this is going to happen as you realize, oh, we're not all Catholic. We shouldn't give this preference to Catholics. Right. This sort of thing is going to happen. This is why the abortion ban was overturned. That even a lot of Catholics are like, I'm just doing it because my family raised right, me in right, this. Right. I don't really believe any of this shit. Right. And this stuff is happening more and more. And so, yeah, when it comes to public schooling, mm-hmm. this idea that Catholics should get special preference and all these privileges doesn't make a lot of sense when you're having a lot of families who are raising their kids, uh, if Catholic, not necessarily with those beliefs. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, this is what our culture does. Yeah. So it's, it's about time this stuff starts to change. And you're going to see more of these uh, battles in Ireland for years to come because the demographics aren't going backwards. Yeah, They're not getting more Catholic. Shift. Remember, we talked about this when the Pope visited Ireland not that long ago. He was no longer the rock star he was in the late 70s when the last, uh, when uh, a recent pope went. Mm-hmm. He had a fraction of the crowd who wanted to see him because, again, a lot of people don't like Pope Francis right yeah. now. He's not doing a good job. <laughs> so Interesting. Um, and then one last um, U.S. political thing is that um, Trump stopped, um, is halting, granting visas to same-sex partners of U.N. officials. Um, so... Jesus, I don't know, man. Like, it's this kinds of... Remember, he's a friend to all the gays. That's what he said on the campaign trail. I just... So my mind has kind of been spinning about this because I, I feel like I hear a lot, like, even in criticism for this show, like, oh, we you hate Trump. We get it. And it's not just that I don't think Trump is a good person or a smart person or a competent person or a rich person or (laughs) or a rich person he's he might be (laughs) rich but he definitely did not come by that honestly um although those things are true the reason i grieved when he was elected president is because of shit like this that i knew he was going to pander to the lowest common denominator and do whatever he had to to just shit on people is whoever is whispering in his ear. He's like, yeah, no, there was no need for this. Now I have heard the criticism that now it's the same. Like, I don't think single, I I don't think partners of single people got visas, even if they were straight. And this was apparently for parody reasons. However, a lot of the countries that these ambassadors come from don't allow same sex marriage. So they're at a disadvantage. Right. And so this it does punish gay couples more than it does straight 
uh, people, even if it doesn't look that way on paper. Yeah, it's and, and I'm glad you pointed that out because it, it, that is the important thing, and that's what I definitely wanted to highlight, that we just got gay marriage a couple years ago in this country. And even still, like, people are digging their heels on it. So let's not pretend that all of a sudden, the, all of a sudden gay couples have no disadvantage when it comes to solidifying their relationship in a legal sense. That's just patently untrue, and it's intellectually dishonest. So um, so anyway, and also it made me think about when, because people, I feel like people accuse me of just, like, hating Trump just completely, and no matter what he says or what he does, I would never agree with him. And probably, like, most things he says I don't agree with and I think are garbage. But what it makes me think of is is that why people hate? Is that how people hated Obama? And that's what they're accusing me of doing. Of oh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because that's pretty transparent, isn't it? Huh. <laughs> anyway, um, so <clears throat> it's been kind of co- like the thing uh, Trump does, where everything he accuses other people of doing, he's it's because he's done. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this happened on Monday. Um, they began denying visas to same-sex domestic partners of foreign diplomats. Um, it's been labeled by. Um, a former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. as needlessly cruel and bigoted. Um, it's the slogan for this administration. Yeah, it's going to impact the U.N., the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund. Um, this this means, uh, quote, same-sex same spouses of U.S. diplomats now enjoy the same rights and benefits as opposite-sex spou- uh, spouses. This is um, the U.S. mission the U.S. mission wrote to U.N.-based delegations. I don't know yeah. what that means. Yeah, again, it, yeah, they're treated the same, but it's same-sex couples are starting at a disadvantage. Right. So it's not helping. So foreign partners currently in the U.S. Um, have to get married by the end of the year, which, hey, it's October. Mm-hmm. Q4 wedding it is, I guess. Yeah. Or um, face being forced to leave within 30 days. Um it's understood that at least 10 people with the U- within the UN will have to get married before the end of the year or their partners will be um, expelled. It's only 12% of UN member states allow same-sex marriages. Yeah, so. Thanks, Republicans. Just, what are we doing? Like, what is the point of this? None. There's none. It's just vindictive and cruel. There's no actual basis other than... It makes liberals angry. It's something conservatives will really rally behind. Are they doing this to own the libs? They do everything to own. They don't have a policy agenda. It's just, let's just do whatever we can to make America straighter and whiter and more conservative Christian. If you think of it in that regard, everything kind of falls into place where it's I like, this can't. is what will make our smaller base happy. My brain just won't let me... I mean, I just cannot possibly understand somebody's worldview that that's their goal. It just doesn't. They think the world is better when people with our coming from our perspective anyway, aren't part of it. And so everything they do is like, what would advance a conservative Christian agenda, even if it's not explicitly promoting Jesus? It's well, we can make it harder for people who aren't white. We can make it harder for people who aren't Christian, or at least we won't pay attention to them. We can make it harder for people who are uh, gay, people who are trans. We can make life more miserable for them until maybe they just leave on their own if we're not forcing them out. Is that their end game? That certainly seems to be, even if they don't say it, that's what it seems like to me. Um, And the sad part is a lot of Christians, evangelical Christians, just go right along with it. They're not, there are religious groups speaking out against everything that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. They agree with us on a lot of these issues, 
but they're not the ones in power. Yeah. Even though they outnumber the ones who are. Yeah. So. Anyway, <laughs> um, I've got listener mail. This one actually came to me via came to us via Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. If you have listener mail, questions, comments, concerns, uh, email us at friendlyatheistpodcast at gmail dot com. You can get a hold of Hammett on Twitter at Hammett Meta, and I'm at Blueberry B L U E B U R I E. This is from uh, Kavi Gupta, who's at Kavi Kavi Gupta, K A V I K A V I G U P T A. Um, what do y'all think of the phrase "quote free thought"? to refer to nuns and secularists. It always makes me uncomfortable because unlike atheist and secularist, which feels like neutral terms, free thought feels positive and kind of self-congratulatory. I've never thought of it that way, actually. Oh, that's not true. I, I see what he means. It does... He or she... I actually don't know if Kavi is... Uh, who. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, I see what they mean about... It does feel a little... Um, like, I'm a free thinker, not like you, sheeple. As opposed to, right, everyone else who's clearly indoctrinated. Yeah, I could see that being the case. I also think that the entire kind of secular movement is, like, really struggling to find a label that yeah, feels a, good to everyone. This has always been a problem ever since I got involved, too, which yeah. is, like... A long while ago, like 20 years ago, whenever I started thinking about this stuff, this was a problem, too. Um, So it's not a new thought that free thought may be a good or bad term. It's that the obvious thing is if we say we're free thinkers, what is that that saying about everybody Mm -hmm. else? And that doesn't help. Yeah. Same thing about the term bright or the term anything like that, where even if you have an umbrella term you want to use, in in a lot of ways, it's hard to do. Yeah. Atheist isn't good because it labels us defined by them. I get that, And it has negative connotation throughout history. Yeah. I mean, humanist. What are you saying about people who disagree with you? Like, what? They don't care about humans? Something like that. But at the Uh, same time, Christian isn't necessarily a us versus them word, but they also think of themselves as saved, which, what does that say about everyone else? You're all lost. You need help, whatever. So, I will say, I don't like the term for that reason because it doesn't help, really. If it helps you define yourself, more power to you. But this is one of the reasons that I care so much less now Mm -hmm. about labels than I do, like, what do you do with that label? So if you call yourself an atheist or an agnostic or a humanist or whatever, it's like, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I'm not going to fight you on it. I, I don't care if you don't call yourself an atheist like I do. What are you doing with that? What are you fighting for? What do you believe in? Like, that, to me, makes a bigger difference than than the actual word. And so I I will tell you, as someone who has seen this fight for many years, Uh and been part of it, by the way, because the Secular Coalition for America, for example, I was there when that group got founded, and one of the biggest conversations is we have a coalition of groups that is coming together to form this lobbying group Mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C. What do you call it? Because they weren't all atheist groups, per se. Right. And this was a long-term debate. Mm-hmm. And the end result was like, well, secular, does anyone have a problem with right, secular? Right, it's the least offensive term. Yeah. And even then, it's like, well, secular has a not-religious connotation. Yeah. Um, we want to live in a secular country, uh-huh. but we also want it to mean the I don't know. So, yeah. I mean, no one's ever happy with this argument. It never gets anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, there's... Yeah, I... I it honestly, I will say it does bug me when people say I don't believe in God, but I don't consider myself an atheist. Like that does kind of get under my skin a little bit because a how dare you say that of me? 
<laughs> well, yeah, I mean, AIDS definitionally untrue. If you don't believe in God, that means you're an atheist. Like, that's just what it means. Yeah. But also, it gives it, it gives continual weight to the fact that atheist is a dirty term and has negative connotations. So that's not my favorite thing. That said, I don't care that much. Yeah. <laughs> like, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I'm not going to fight you online about it. I'll fight you online about other things. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, do you have anything good going on this uh, week? The sister's visiting from out of state, so oh, that'll yeah. be a nice weekend. That'll be good. Um, so yeah, that'll be good. I'm heading to Houston tomorrow. Have fun. Thank but you. But you're not speaking there right I'm now. I'm not speaking there this time. I'm going to Houston twice this month. I'm going for work. So if anybody is around at a uh, neurosurgery <laughs> convention, look me up. Um, also, I've been watching Schitt's Creek this week. Have you heard of this? Heard of it? It's have on not Netflix. seen it. It's It's uh, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara, who's a fucking revelation. It's one of the... I have this weird instinct that if too many people tell me I'd like a thing, I'm, like, like resistant to it. I don't know <laughs> why. It's a very bad thing that I do. Anyway, I started watching it, and I fucking love it so nice. much. It's excellent. It's very good. It's very funny. And it's very sweet. Uh, when are you speaking in Houston? Oh, I'm glad. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you asked, Hammett, because I definitely know that off the top of my head. <laughs> I, I, while you're <laughs> looking for that, um, I'm gonna be speaking in St. Louis, Missouri, on November 11th. I believe that's a Sunday, and uh, that's gonna be a conversation with a local pastor. Uh, a conversation for his congregation. It's oh. taking place at a Methodist church, but um, I'll have more information on that coming up. But mm-hmm. uh, November 11th, if you're in St. Louis block it off save it <laughs> um so the on the 20th so october 20th that's uh two saturdays from when this drops um i'll be speaking in the humanists of houston um i'm gonna be on a panel there so it's gonna be me and i think three or four other um women in sort of the secular world the 21st 21st i will be at houston oasis <laughs> Um, and that's where I'll be doing a, like, full-on talk. Um, I have a title for it. It's called Taking Up Space. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just going to be me talking about my experiences as a, uh, as a woman in general and a woman in the atheist movement and how I'm, I and many other women are constantly told not to take up space and to be small both emotionally and physically. Um, so, yeah, it's um, still in the planning stages, but I'm excited about it. Uh, so, yeah, if you're in Houston, come to those things and hit me up on Twitter and we can hang. All right. Um, we'll be around next week. We'll be talking about other stuff. Yes, then. we'll be around next week. Oh, I'm going canvassing again next week. Look at you. I'm very excited about Good. that. Oh, same thing. If if anybody like it's, goes canvassing, does anything, take a picture, tag Hammett and I. We'll, we'll it is exciting that in Illinois, where we're at, there's like four swing districts for the house. Two of them are in our neck of the woods around Cook County, around Chicago. And both of them are like, they keep leaning a little more yeah. to toss up lean Democrat, but it's still a uphill climb. So last time we... One have, of them is lean Republican. I think the other is a toss up, according to like Cook Political Report. Yeah. Um, we canvassed for Caston, who's the sixth district, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think next time we're going to do, we might, we're considering Lauren Underwood. She's good too. And by we, I mean me and Anne, who's my, <laughs> my, my uh, politics buddy. And she's up against Randy Hulkgren, who's this, again, a Trump supporting 
How yeah. did he get elected from outside of Chicago sort of guy? Right. But it's a close race. So if anyway. you're around, I don't care where you're listening from, yes. go volunteer, go do something. Make sure you're registered to vote. Make sure other people are registered to vote. Drag everyone with you to be the polls. Your, be the annoying friend. I can't be your annoying friend. I'm already a lot of people's annoying friends. <laughs> be the annoying friend. This matters, guys. This is something that... that uh, don't, don't make us pin hopes on Susan Collins every time. Yeah. Ugh. Stressful. Poor Susan Collins. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Bye.